0: I'm Dr. Jack West from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org under the news heading. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack West, medical oncologist at City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center in the Los Angeles area. And on behalf of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, ISLC, welcome to Lung Cancer Considered. I'm joined today by Montessa Lee and Janet Freeman Daly, both remarkable leaders in lung cancer advocacy and education. Welcome and thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You both have Uh, really amazing stories of what brought you to where we are today, but I I can't do them justice. So can I just have each of you introduce yourselves, tell a bit of what uh, led you to become advocates for lung cancer patients? Maybe starting with Montessa, your story goes back further.
1: Okay. Yep. In 2006, I was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer at the age of 28, Um, misdiagnosed twice. And after I researched and found how little Um, research and the outcomes for lung cancer were at that time, I turned my anger into advocacy.
0: Uh, And Janet, tell us about your story briefly.
2: I was diagnosed in May, 2011 with stage three non-small cell lung cancer, went through chemo and radiation and my cancer progressed, went through more chemo and radiation and my cancer progressed. But I would learned from other patients online about clinical trials and genomic testing, So I got myself tested and was found to have um, a gene rearrangement called ROS1, got in a clinical trial, and I've had no evidence of disease for over six (laughs) years.
0: amazing. So, well, congrats to both of you for for getting to this point. And uh, I know it's been a long road and a, a difficult one. Why don't we start with the question of when you were looking online, uh, how much information was there, and was this helpful, or did you find that you really had to go to a lot of effort to cobble together what you felt you needed? Uh, Montessa, your, your story goes back to a time when I don't think there was as much information out there.
1: Right. In 2006, when I first started looking, um, it was dismal information. So nowhere near the type of information you could find today. Um, I was able to find some resources through the organizations. At the time, it was the uh, National Lung Cancer Partnership. They have since changed their name several times. Um, and, and the rest of the research seemed dismal, as well as first getting into the um, advocacy work. A lot of patients said their doctors told them, you have lung cancer, go home and get your affairs in order. So I have had the benefit of seeing um, a drastic change in in what's
0: available to patients. And Janet, can you talk about where things were when you started and what led you to your efforts to really change the situation by uh, being a catalyst for so much new information on on the website that you are a central part of?
2: So when I got diagnosed, I had the benefit of a friend, actually a classmate from college, who had gone through um, cancer treatment for pancreatic, I'm sorry, kidney cancer, and had become an advocate for patients, Um, the patient Dave. And so I asked him, where can I go for information? And he connected me to an online patient community at the time, Um, it was inspire.com. And from there, I started learning from other patients about other sites, about the patient guidelines on the National Comprehensive Cancer Network site, about the lung cancer advocacy organizations that had information. But there still wasn't much information about out there. Genomic testing was just starting to get going, and there wasn't too much out there. So that was where I was in 2011. And because of that, I got involved with, um, on Twitter, The hashtag LCSM chat for lung cancer social media, where we're um, sharing information across all the stakeholders about lung cancer. I have, I started blogging, I have my own website, and I'm now part of a group of patients called the Ross Wonders that has a Facebook page and a website specifically for our type of rearranged cancer because there was no information available for it online.
0: The Ross Wonders are one of a group of molecularly selected populations, and a narrow but I think strongly self-aggregating group online like the EGFR resistors, uh, alt positive group. And how much do you both feel that uh, you're part of a kind of galvanized broad lung cancer community? I, I think, Montessa, you've spoken, written about the challenge of small cell lung cancer and and the particular stigma and lack of good new information coming out in part because there hasn't been a lot of new uh, trial uh, information coming out until very recently. So how much do you feel part of a broader lung cancer patient community versus a federation of subgroups?
1: I I still feel part of the larger um, population of lung cancer groups. Of course, when I started in 2006, there were several different um, advocacy groups and they were talking about even merging them um, and merging with other underfunded cancers. There's been a lot of discussion. But even though I I did speak about um, there definitely being a stigma uh, with small cell lung cancer, because when I go to these events, a lot of the research is on non-small cell lung cancer. And it wasn't until I went to this last event that focused on small cell lung cancer in New York that a scientist explained to me uh, basically the whole fundamentals of why it is lagging. Um, and it's almost seen as a separate subset of a disease, but I believe the research in non-small cell, and the advocates um, forming these own genu- genome groups, which they did by themselves, they're following that breast cancer movement, is. Um, going to inevitably benefit small cell as well.
0: Janet, how much of your time, effort, and attention are focused on broader lung cancer awareness and education versus focus on the Ross Wonders and that subgroup?
2: Um, Well, I've actually kind of moved from being a patient advocate to being more of a research advocate. And there's not too many lung cancer research advocates who are involved with research organizations and providing feedback on research groups. So when when I am serving as a research advocate, I'm advocating for all of lung cancer. And I'd say that's maybe 25% of my time. Um, A lot of my time goes into the Ross Wonders just because we're a small population and there aren't a lot of patients who are feeling healthy enough to be able to to work on it. Uh, But I am working with uh, IASLC to help create the STARS program, uh, supportive training for advocates. In research and science with the broad lung cancer community to try and build more research advocates, and that's across all lung cancers.
0: Have you felt that oncologists have been receptive to your efforts to educate yourselves? And what kind of feedback do you get from other patients who you communicate with a lot online who are trying to uh, get their own information? Is this something that increasingly oncologists are? Uh, Amenable to, or do they often feel threatened and convey some suspicion or hostility about it?
1: I, I have found that I, in my own personal experience, it has been um, treated fine. You know, I have seen some people in, on social media that have had negative experiences. Um, and I don't know if it's the way that they are communicating um, or advocating for themselves. It could be seen in a negative sense. Um, but I have not had that problem. and, and people have come to me outside of social media, people at work that know that I had lung cancer. If somebody is diagnosed with lung cancer, they um, come to me and say, hey, can you talk to um, my family member? They were just diagnosed with lung cancer. What questions should I ask? Um, And also just for encouragement.
2: And my experience has been similar to Montessa's. I have not had any interactions with doctors when they object to me getting a second opinion or bringing in information. I I did when I first got started because I'm a research science geek and I went out and looked up information online and I brought it to my doctor and they said, well, okay, let's go with standard of care first. Um, So I had to learn what information was important and what to bring in and what not to bring in. Uh, But I have heard, as Montessa has, of patients online who have had experiences with doctors who get upset if they say they're going to get a second opinion. And this is... Problem because lung cancer research is changing so fast that even the lung cancer oncologists, the specialists, have difficulty keeping up with all the changes. I mean, the NCCN guidelines 10 years ago got updated once every five years, and now they're getting updated five times a year. So, a general oncologist or uh, a general practitioner might not be able to keep up on all the changes in lung cancer, and they need to Patients need to get second opinions from doctors who are specialists in it, and the doctors have to be receptive to the second opinions. How much
0: do you think that it is helpful to have live interactions, you know, having a conference, a group, a a fundraiser where there are a whole bunch of lung cancer advocates patients uh, together versus being... Online, I mean, obviously with a group like the Ross Wonders or even probably small cell as a subgroup of lung cancer, I I think it'd be hard to get a critical mass of people together in the same place at the same time very often. Is is that uh, what you, do you feel that uh, the lung cancer community really benefits from the energy of people in the room together or how well can this be done galvanizing a group online? through social media for instance?
1: I I think both. Um, I love when I I first went to my first advocacy summit with at that time, the National Lung Cancer Partnership, I was excited to see other patients um, that had lung cancer could go through my experience because even in my cancer support ministry at church are my interactions when I was receiving chemo, I met a lot of breast cancer patients and other people that had other cancers and not lung cancer um, except now, for the social media part, I think that's a great way to galvanize people um, through a social network of people. I know Janet <laughs> via social media. I don't, I don't think I've ever met her in person.
2: No, this um, is the first time we've talked. This is great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so we know people, you know, that are well known in the community via social media. So you feel like you know them through a virtual platform. But it's awesome when you could physically talk to someone or get a whole group like the last um, event they had in DC when they took that picture of all the, the
0: survivors, it was amazing. I thought it was, that was awesome. So there's no, nothing like, nothing like in real life. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, I agree. And, and the support of the lung can the broader lung cancer community and the other advocates is, is just amazing. Um, there are challenges uh, when you lose people. We just lost two members of the EGFR resistors last week and it hits you hard. But it also makes you realize you need to keep advocating because we have too many losses and we need to fix that. Um, but meeting the people in person, there's, there's just no substitute. I love having connections online, but when you see them in person, it's it really makes a difference.
0: My sense is that at meetings like ASCO this past year, we saw a lot more discussion by physician researchers of online patient groups as collaborators in research and Just a growing recognition of the importance of their spreading information, and I think that we've seen more patients and caregivers at these meetings. I'm not sure if that's been the perception in the patient community that there's a rapid growth and enough crossing into patient and physician working together. Janet, you said that you have worked some with the ISLC and developing new programs. Do you think that? Uh, we're entering a new era of collaboration, or is there really still a lot of work to do?
2: Well, um, put it this way, Montessa's got more experience in advocacy than I do. But back when she was diagnosed in 2006, there were maybe a handful of active lung cancer advocates. And now we have dozens. And a lot of this is thanks to the new targeted therapies that have patients living longer with a good quality of life. And they start thinking about what can I do to make a difference? Um, so now that we have more advocates, yes, there are more patients and advocates at ASCO. I think there were more lung cancer patients and advocates there this year than ever. And yes, the doctors are starting to notice what we're doing. Um, one of the discussants for uh, ROS1 drug actually contacted me ahead of the meeting and asked for information so he could talk about the Ross one from the podium. And we do have researchers who are working with us to develop Um, projects. um, Both at the moment, EGFR resistors and the Ross Wonders have projects to create new cancer models. And that was working with uh, researchers. Um, We have researchers who are talking about us to others. A lot of doctors have come up to me when I was at ASCO about the Ross Wonders and asked for information for their patients and told us how great it was. So um, I think it's moving, but we're in the early stages of trying to figure out how to do this. And actually, the oncogene groups have a collective poster that will be at World Lung this year on this subject. That's terrific. I look forward to seeing you in Barcelona. I'm looking forward to being there. (laughs) Yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) So uh, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, So uh, thank you both for joining me today. Uh, This is Jack West on behalf of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, ISLC. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more Lung Cancer Considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues. This is Dr. Jack West. Until next time.